What are you guys doing with the weather? <laughs> I know you do everything in your power to make us feel at home. But you've gone too far this time. <laughs> Lovely to be back with you again, folks. And um, uh, you don't mind me saying, you know, we've been coming here now for a couple of years. And, you know, the, the worship meeting this morning in the first part of the meeting, um, I want to say to you from my heart, it was probably the sweetest meeting that we had ever been, we have the sweetest remembrance meeting that... Uh, we have ever been out here in San Ramon. And just to hear so many of, of the dear brethren uh, contributing and, and the songs, and it was, it was just very precious to be here. And so thank you, brethren, and, and thank the Lord for, for blessing us with his, with his holy presence this morning. And we trust that he'll help us again now as we return to his good word. I'm going to read three portions of the Bible with you this morning, if you have a Bible. The first one is in the Gospel by Matthew, and just in chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse number 6. Matthew 25, verse 1 down to verse number 6. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Then they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight... There was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. It's verse 6 in particular I want to draw your attention to. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Now our next reading is in the same book, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27. And we're just reading one verse this time. In verse number 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the Spirit. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the Spirit. Now one last verse, please, in the Gospel by John. This time, chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's what we're going to read this morning from the Scriptures. I don't know if you ever noticed that when reading the Bible, 
how few times it is in the New Testament that it actually says that the Lord Jesus Christ cried. Now, by crying, we don't mean crying with tears. He did that three times. There are three times in the Bible when the Lord Jesus actually cried with tears. But there are other times when it says that Jesus cried. That is, he lifted up his voice so that loudly he might make a pronouncement and so that loudly he might underline the importance of the message that he then wished to convey to the people who were listening. And I think maybe only about six or seven times in the New Testament Bible it says that Jesus cried aloud. And I would like this morning just to take two of those occasions when the Savior cried aloud. Jesus cried, saying... There are two times when he cried aloud that we have read this morning. Two times when he cried and another time when there is a cry that refers to him as the bridegroom. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And my purpose this morning is because we're still in January, we're still in the beginning of the year. My purpose is this morning for those of us who are believers in our Lord Jesus, as we look at these three scriptures, that we might take account of where we are in relation to our salvation and in relation to our relationship with the Savior in the beginning of another year. And then you know folks who have been praying that there might just be someone here this morning who has never ever taken that first step of faith and has never yet embraced the Lord Jesus as your very own Savior. And as you hear some of the cries this morning of the Lord Jesus, that maybe there might be someone here that will receive Him for the very first time. Did Gloria not play to us just now? What a friend. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. I tell you, it's a wonderful thing at the beginning of the year to have a friend. I didn't mean to say this, but I was reading recently about Steven Spielberg, you know, the great film producer, who's produced all these wonderful films and another one just recently. And someone asked him recently, Mr. Spielberg, Why did you make that film about E.T.? That extraterrestrial little creature that you made that, why did you make a film about E.T.? And you know what Steven Spielberg said? He said it was my plea for a friend. It was my plea for a friend. And my observation today, friends, would be this, that Steven Spielberg has never found a true friend. He has never found the friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And how wonderful a thing it would be this morning if someone would find a true friend in our Lord Jesus Christ. I've given these three portions of Scripture a little caption so that you all might be able to remember them. The first one from I'm going to speak about is John 7:37, and that last day, that great day of the feast, when Jesus stood and cried. He stood to be seen. 
And they cried to be heard. And they said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I want to give that this little title this morning of the gospel cry. The gospel cry. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The gospel is a wonderful word. The Bible is full of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It simply means good news. And everywhere this word of the gospel has been, from the north to the south, to the lands of east and west, the gospel has brought blessing and forgiveness and happiness and holiness and peace. Everywhere sin has been, it has brought discord and disarray and rebellion and sin. But the gospel has brought widespread peace to the shores of the Emerald Isle, to the valleys and hills and seasides of California. What a wonderful thing, dear friends, this morning that you and I have ever been privileged to hear the gospel cry, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If any man, I tell you I like this, There is so much discrimination in our world. Discrimination because of age. Too old for that. Discrimination because of social class. Discrimination because of color and creed. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, here is a gospel cry without discrimination of any kind. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. It doesn't matter about a person's age. It doesn't matter about a person's background. It doesn't matter about a person if he's a churchgoer or if he's not. The Savior stood and cried. This gospel cry, if any man thirst. Somebody says, well, how can this gospel cry be to every man and to any man? Why is it that it takes everybody in? I want to tell you it takes everybody in because of the price that was prayed on Calvary's cross. Because when the blessed Savior expired and bled and died on Calvary's tree, He paid the price for me. And He paid the price for you. Amazing love we sang. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? If any man... Oh, take it in this morning, unsaved friend in our gathering. It was for you. If any man thirst. We have dear friend, a dear friend at home. I don't know what you would call him here, but in our colloquial language, we call him a carpet fitter. That means you buy your carpet in the shop. And then this dear brother of ours, Willie Fenton, by name, Willie comes and 
tacks down the carpet and fits it all in and puts in the underlay and gives you a bill. (laughs) One night, he was going to fit a carpet the next day to a young couple's house that had just been married. And it was his job to go and fit carpets in their house the next day. That night in his house, there was a knock on the door. He opened the door. It was the young bridegroom's mother. She said to him, Willie, that job you're going to do tomorrow morning for my boy and his wife, his new wife, they're just married. Money's tight. Circumstances difficult. I don't want you to charge them for laying that carpet. I'm going to pay you for it now. Much as the bill. Well, he told her what the price was. She gave him the cash. Said, just you tell him in the morning not to worry about these things. So, well, he went to the house, fitted the carpet, did the job, <clears throat> gathered up his tools. Young man said to him, well, Willie, <clears throat> you know, we say at home, what's the damage? What's the damage? Uh, well, he said, there is no damage. There is no damage. He said, before, before the debt became due, the price was fully paid. Isn't that wonderful? Before the debt was due, the price was fully paid. And that's what happened at Calvary before you and I were even born. The Savior paid our debt. He satisfied the Father. He shed His precious blood. And before the debt became due, the price was paid. That's what happened the night we got saved, wasn't it? We just said, Lord, Lord, I'm a guilty sinner. But Jesus died for me. The price has all been paid. I accept it. I believe it. I rest upon it. I take the Savior for my very own. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What is this thirsting? If any man thirst. This is not a physical thirst. This is not something that, you know, at the end of the day we we want to drink. This is not a physical... Listen, this thirsting, this thirsting, could I put it this way, this thirsting is an inner longing. An inner longing to get right with God. And I'm just wondering this morning, folks, at the beginning of another year, Amidst all the pressures of life and the busyness of life, the trials and difficulties and burdens of life, I'm just wondering, is there someone here this morning? Never mentioned to mother or father. Never mentioned to the person on the seat beside you just now. But deep down in the longings of someone's heart, is there a longing to get right with God? to be right for heaven, to know our sins forgiven, to know that our eternity is sure and secured. That's the thirst that the Bible is speaking about. If any man thirst, 
What do you do? Where do I go? To whom do I turn? Savior, listen to the words that the Savior cried in the open air in Jerusalem that day. If any man thirst, let him go to church. Let him go to the confessional. Let him go to the brethren. No. Let him come unto me and drink. You see, friends, today the answer is not found in ourselves or in our religion. The answer is found in a blessed person. Let him come unto me. I spoke to a dear lady one day about these things. Challenged her with her need of a Savior and salvation. She was born a Protestant in the north of Ireland and had been converted to Mormonism on the doors, on our very door, in an estate near where we live. And she said to me, but listen, sir, she said, I love my church. I love my church. I said, I love my church too, but my church will never take me to heaven. No man will ever take me to heaven, however good he may be. I'm depending on one alone. Let him come unto me. Savior said, look at my hands and see. I bore the nails for thee. I died to set thee free. Come and rejoice. Let him come unto me. And drink and drink. That's a difficult bit. People say, I'd like to come to Christ. I would like to come for salvation, but how do I drink? Let me make this very homely to you this morning, and all the mothers that are in the meeting this morning will, will identify with this. You know, when our boys were small, Anne used to make them a bottle. I never made it. <laughs> she always made it. And then I always noticed that when she put the milk into the bottle and used to shake it up and down and make sure it was just the right mixture and all the rest, then I noticed that she would put the milk onto the back of her hand just here. Now, I don't know if you do that, do you ladies do that in, uh, in this part of the world, but I don't know what the secret about this part of the hand is. There's, you know, there's... Uh, I don't know how that tells you when the milk's ready and when it's not, but, you know, we stay out of the... <laughs> we don't ask too many questions. <laughs> but somehow when, that, somehow when that milk went on to the back of the hand, it either was too cold, needed to be heated up a little bit, or it was too warm, needed to be cooled down a little bit, or it was just right. And when that milk, that temperature of that milk was just right, Then, this is the point I want to get to, when that milk temperature was just right, then that bottle that was put, that milk was put in the baby's mouth. And although it had been lovingly prepared, and although it had been just at the right temperature, the baby had to drink it for itself. 
It had to take it for itself. The mother couldn't do it, and the father couldn't do it. The only person that could do it was the baby had to take the milk for itself. Let him come unto me and drink. Just take it for yourself. It was for me, yes, all for me. That when he died on Calvary's cross, it was for me. I take it in, I believe it, I rest upon it. I was a guilty sinner, but Jesus... That's just what it means to drink it, just to believe it and take it in and to rest upon it for yourself. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. A gospel cry. The second one, ah, I want to call this <clears throat> Jesus when he had cried again. Committed up a spirit. I want to cry, I want to call this a victorious cry. A victorious cry. I heard a man one time when he was reading these verses and he, he, um, the first thing he said was, he said, I want to speak tonight on the most important words in all of the Bible. And boy, I said to myself, that's a big statement. I wonder, is that John 3.16? For God so loved the world. I wonder, is that John 3.7? You must be born again. What is the most important words in the Bible? He said the most important words of the Bible is when Jesus cried, Finished! Because on our hopes for eternity rests upon the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. A victorious cry. What a cry it was. Calvary's tree. You know, largely the Savior silent. Men shouting, scorning, deriding. The Savior hanging, bleeding, suffering in Calvary's tree. Suddenly at the end of those hours of darkness, he breaks again the silence of the cross. Three words in our language, one word in his. Tetelestai, it is finished, finished. We sing a word, we sing a, a chorus at him at home. None of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through when He found the sheep that was lost. And at the end of it all, the suffering of Calvary's tree, He said, it's finished. Finished. Is it not a victorious cry? A cry of victory? The devil thought, Calvary was his greatest victory. I want to tell you, Calvary was the devil's greatest defeat. He rose, he, he, he died victoriously. He rose victoriously. And what a savior we have this morning to proclaim with this victorious cry. It is finished. But I want to come on to this last one this morning because And I'm sure these men have had these thoughts as well. 
2016. Could this be the year when the Lord returns? Oh, how we long for it. How we yearn for it, for His return. Could this be the year when He fulfills His promise? If I go away, I will come again. And in this parable of Matthew 25, that return is foreshadowed. And these, this cry goes out then. And it says at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I want to speak about this little cry. And I want to give it two titles. Because it means two different things to two different groups of people. I want to call the first one, I want to call it this cry of the bridegroom when he comes. I want to call it a welcoming cry. A welcoming cry. Because to all who are saved and to all who believe, we welcome, we long, we wait, we anticipate that cry when He shall call us home. A welcoming cry. Perhaps this year. Could I say perhaps today? No reason why not. The welcoming cry when the Lord Jesus comes to the air. What a moment that will be, my friends. When the Savior rises up from off His Father's throne and to the amazement of the angelic host, He steps down to midair. And in midair, with angelic voice, And with the sound of the trumpet, he calls from this world his own. What a moment that will be to meet him in the air. The hymn writer says, Behind us all of sorrow and not but joy before. The beauty of the Savior will dazzle every eye in the crowning day that's coming by and by. Wouldn't it be great to be there, to meet him in the air, You know, there's one word I love in the account of the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when it says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those loved ones that we have broken our hearts over, our fathers and our mothers, as we laid them down on Mother Earth, Never to see them on earth again. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive, Paul includes himself in the potential that Paul is going to be alive when the Lord comes. He didn't exclude himself because it could happen at any moment. He said, then we which are alive and remain. Here's the word. Here's the word. Shall be caught up. Together, together. 
Oh, I love that word, together. You see, death, death is one by one. It empties our homes. It empties our chairs. It takes from us our loved ones one by one. Is it any wonder that the Bible calls the death the last enemy? It's an enemy. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And it affects us one by one by one by one. There's an old hymn we sing at home, one by one. Their seats were emptied. One by one they went away. Will the circle be unbroken when we gather in that day? But you see, when the Lord comes, it's together. Together. You know the loveliness of that? Families together. Raising to meet the Lord in the air. Together. Oh, dear child of God, this morning, embrace this in your heart. Renew that blessed hope within your spirit that soon the Lord shall come and we shall raise together to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We had a dear lady in our church. She was a cripple lady. She came from a very, very poor, disadvantaged background. She was contacted in the community and agreed to come to the church, to the gatherings, to the gospel, heard the message of the gospel, was wheeled in in a wheelchair. One of the very first times that dear crippled lady ever heard the gospel, she embraced it, accepted it, trusted Christ for salvation. After a little while, she said to some of the elders, she said, I've been reading through the Scriptures and I see that in the Bible Christians are baptized. I I would like to be baptized. And they said to her now, her name is Tilly. They said, now Tilly, you know, baptism is good and it's scriptural and it's right, but are you sure with your disability, are you sure She said, the Lord has asked me to be baptized. I want to be baptized. I never forget that night, dear friends, in our church at home. We have a baptismal. Do you have a baptismal tank? Yeah. Hope it's open soon. That baptismal tank was opened. And four brethren, four brethren, carried that lovely old Beloved sister, down into those waters. And four of them together held her while she was baptized. It was so touching. Shortly after that, she took very ill. I went to see her in the hospital. And you know, just for something to say, it was kind of just an opening remark. I said, well, Tilly, 
I hope you'll soon be getting home. She said, my next move is up there to my eternal home. That's just what I'm looking for, my next move. That's where I'm going for my home. She asked me if I would take a little part in her funeral service, and I did. And she was buried in the hope of the resurrection in Christ Jesus. And you know, because the family were so poor, I hate to tell you this because maybe as Christians, maybe as Christians on reflecting upon it, maybe we should have provided the money. We were very remiss maybe before the Lord that we didn't do it. But because they were so poor, they couldn't afford a tombstone. And she was buried in an unmarked grave. And sometimes, sometime after that, sometime after that, I thought I should go back to the graveyard and just give thanks for Tilly and for her testimony and for her witness. And you know, friends, this morning, to my shame, I couldn't find her grave. I couldn't find her grave. There have been others in the meantime. There was fresh dug graves. I couldn't find her grave. You know my only consolation? You know my only hope that morning? The Lord. The Lord knows where those precious remains lie. And when He bursts the clouds, and when He comes to midair, with archangelic voice and trumpet sound, Till he will raise, because the Lord knows where she is. And every saint that has died in Christ, the dead in Christ shall rise first. What a wonderful moment that will be from the Emerald Isle, from the United States, from the north to the south and east and west. The dead in Christ shall rise in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You know what the Bible says? For the trumpet shall sound. You know, it was a big debate at home. <clears throat> all the theologians, is it a literal trumpet? Is this a literal trumpet or is it a symbolic trumpet? For the trumpet shall sound. And I'm going to tell you, if the Bible says, and it does in 1 Corinthians 15, the trumpet shall sound, then I believe it's a literal trumpet. And I want to encourage you all this morning. The last sound that the Christian will hear on earth, what is it? It's going to be the sound of the trumpet. That's the last sound we're going to hear. The sound of the trumpet. And you know the first sound you're going to hear in heaven? It's the everlasting song. When we get to heaven, friends, heaven will be ablaze with His glory. And the sound of eternal singing to Him who died for us on Calvary's cross. The joy in the everlasting song of Him 
who gave himself for us on Calvary to hear the trumpet on earth, the singing in heaven. Hallelujah! What a day, glorious day that will be. A welcoming sound. A welcoming sound. A welcoming cry. But then as I finish, I have to turn it round. I wish we could stop at this point. But I have to say, you know, to the believer, it's a welcoming cry. But to those who are not ready, it's a warning cry. A warning cry. You know, we can only use our imagination and maybe I don't know how much we're entitled to do that, but sometimes I imagine what it must be when the Lord comes and sinners are left behind that have heard the gospel and refused it and rejected the Savior and the Holy Spirit is taken away and the evil runs rampant through the earth. We think it's bad today. What it will be, what it will be in those days. When evil rampant on every side and no Holy Spirit to hinder. What a, what a terrible time in the world's history that will be. To be left behind for judgment. Condemnation. The wrath of God to fall upon this old ungodly world. A warning cry. Let me tell you one more wee story. Just to warm your heart before we go. Because I don't want to leave you on a downer. I don't, want to, I don't want to leave you depressed. But I would like you to be ready. We had in our church, when I was just a boy, we had in our church a, bo- uh, a young man <coughs> called Alec, Alec Smith. And you know, I hope no one, no one will be offended at this. I don't mean to offend at all, but it's just my way of, just an Irish way of explaining this. My father came home one night and I was, I wasn't in bed. I was still up and my father said to my mother, he said, my father was an elder in the church and he said to my mother, he said, um, he said, Alex Smith and his wife and his little boys, we are commending them full time to the Lord's work in India. And you know, it didn't surprise me at all because, and don't be offended at this, I hope you won't, because I, I thought that Alec, I was just a wee boy, but I thought that if there was a typical Indian person at Alex Smith, he didn't look like an Irish man at all. He didn't have ginger hair or anything like that. He, he had kind of black curly hair and swarthy complexion. And I thought to myself, I can see why Alex Smith wants to go to India. It just seemed to me to be absolutely right for the job. And I remember that night we went down to the boot. And these were days before, you know, people just, people get on big planes now and they fly away and they're there in a couple of hours. These were days whenever there wasn't planes flying, there was just a boot. And we went down to the boot side and Alex Smith and his wife and three little boys stood on the stern of that boot as it pulled out from Belfast Dock on his way to India to be a missionary, to serve the Lord full time. And I'm standing there with my father, just a wee boy. 
And I could see this man, Alex Smith, standing on the bow of the back, the stern of this ship, and I could see him putting his hands up like this. And all of a sudden, he began to shout. And here's what he shouted. Maranatha! Maranatha! And I thought to myself, he must have learned Indian. <laughs> he must be speaking the language. And when we get back into the car, and I got opportunity, I said to my daddy who was driving, I said, Dad, what was that Alex Smith was shouting about at the back of the boat? He said to me, son, that's a word from the Bible. And it just means the Lord is coming back again. The Lord is coming back again. I wonder if he came, friends, this year. I wonder if he came today. Would it be a welcoming cry? Or would it be a warning cry? Too late, too late shall be the cry. Jesus of Nazareth has passed by. I feel these things in my heart this morning. We love you in the Lord. We yearn for your blessing as believers, as Christians. And we yearn and long and pray for your salvation if you're not saved. Remember these three cries. May there be a blessing to you in the days that lie ahead. If the Lord spoke to you this afternoon, as a Christian, are you anticipating and say, Lord, hasten the day and awaiting the trumpet? Or if you're not yet a saved person, I mean by that, if you did not give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ yet, Jesus is crying now, Come unto me and drink from the water, and you shall be saved. He is here to save you. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Jesus is passing by. Say, Lord, remember me. I'm a sinner. Save me. And he will save you. And if you are only a Christian who is not involved and you are just coming to church and going back home to live your life, this is the time to heed the cry, the shout, and take Take it seriously and start living for Christ. And for the rest who are living, awaiting his appearance. We're not going to have to wait for long. It's going to happen. And we pray it happen today. Again, let's heed the cry. Come unto me. The Lord is speaking. And before you go home, take Jesus as your Savior.
Our Father, let's pray. Our Father, we are thankful that you, it is so clear to us. Thankful for the word. Thankful for the brother who came from a very far away place to talk to us. And if there's any one soul that is seeking, this world cannot fulfill any desire or any thirst. You are the only one who can fulfill the desires of the heart. Save that person. Or if it's more, save them, Lord. We commit them to you. This is your word. And commit ourselves and ask your blessings upon our brother and his family. We pray that you dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Amen.